BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Voting patterns, significant drop in black turnout, Latino turnout in Florida, North Carolina, Wisconsin. What are Democrats going to do to reach these voters in 2024? Tom Bonnier joins us on the show. Oh, Lord, the white nationalists at Fox News are really upset with Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee because she actually wants to brand white supremacists uh, as being hate crime folks. Why is Tucker Carlson upset with her? The congresswoman will join us on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Also, uh, Wes Moore today became the third African-American inaugurated uh, as the first third African-American elected as a governor in the country. We'll show you Oprah's introduction and play all of his speech as the 63rd governor of Maryland. Also, Dr. Rowe, part two of our conversation with her about eating healthy in 2023 and fitness guru Donna Richardson Joyner also joins us to talk about a new you in 2023. Folks, it's time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered from the Black Side Network. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got, it. got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics.
I told you there was significant Republican enthusiasm in a number of places in 2022 when it came to the election. Uh, that was definitely the case in Florida. Uh, you had a significant number of Republicans who voted there. But the reason why Republicans crushed Democrats in Florida was because you had a tremendous drop-off of Democrats who voted in the Sunshine State. When you look at voting data, it took place in North Carolina, took place in Wisconsin. You saw the exact same thing. What is going on? Tom Bonnier is the CEO of Target Smart. You follow him on Twitter. He's always talking about of these voting numbers and these trends. Tom, glad to have you on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Let's first start with Florida. Uh, and that is the Democratic Party is in total disarray in that state. Uh, they, Manny Diaz has resigned as head of the Florida Democratic Party. He's complained about money not being put into that place. But the reality is uh, you just simply have uh, no plan. You have no, no focus whatsoever. Uh, and uh, Democrats just stayed the hell home uh, in 2022. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we are looking at the data now in terms of, you know, the election, obviously, from last November. A lot of people had theories about what happened and why. And what we're doing is looking at the actual vote history of who voted. We can look at actual turnout. We've got that for about 15 states now. You mentioned some of the key ones, including Florida, North Carolina, some other key states. And the picture that is emerging is exactly as you said. We look at voters of color having lower turnout, significantly lower turnout in these states, where Democrats did well. When we think about the states like Michigan and Pennsylvania, it was a different picture. But where Democrats lost in, in Florida, you know, Democrats obviously lost by a, a huge margin, um, turnout, Democratic turnout uh, was frankly just awful. And, you know, I think about this from a messaging perspective, because before the election, as we all remember, there was a lot of talk in the media and, from, frankly, from Democratic strategists saying, well, maybe Democrats are, are losing in these states because we're not talking about the economy enough, because we're not talking about crime enough, we're not talking about inflation enough. Maybe we're talking about Republican extremism too much. We're talking about the Dobbs decision too much. And the reality is where Democrats invested in communities of color and organized uh, with communities of color and voters of color early early, not in the last few weeks, and weren't mm -hmm. afraid to, to run campaigns where we talked about these issues of Republican extremism and, frankly, the existential threat that they pose, uh, that's where Democrats did well. But in places where Democrats were, frankly, following this you know, middle-of-the-road message and we've got to talk about yep. the economy, it's not that we shouldn't be talking about the economy and crime, but where that was the centerpiece and where, frankly, Democrats were trying to be more like Republicans, things didn't go well. Here, here's the thing, and, and, I, and I can tell you point blank, when you talk about being early, we reached out to the Democratic uh, Senate uh, Campaign Committee. Uh, we reached out to the DCCC, Democratic Governors Association. I mean, obviously, uh, my audience is African-American. It's a natural constituency for black people are number one and number two, black women and black men who vote Democrat. And pretty much... We, we hit them in March, no response. Finally got a meeting, a couple of meetings in July, sent a proposal, no response. I did not receive any DCCC political advertising until the last two, no, the last week of the campaign. Um, DCCC, it wasn't until October, uh, sorry, DSC, 
And and the other thing is this here. You look at you look at uh, Mandela Barnes uh, in Wisconsin. What did they do? They pretty you know he drop major drop off in Milwaukee. He he gets those numbers. He's a United States senator. I talked to black activists there. They said there was absolutely no outreach uh, there in Milwaukee. Sherry Beasley's campaign. I was reaching out to them very early. Guess what? They never never brought us in. Never did anything. Major black. She didn't even. Her campaign didn't even ask uh, President Barack Obama to come in. They didn't even bring in Vice President Kamala Harris. Here, Tom, I think the fundamental issue is this year, and I'm going to be very frank. White Democratic strategists are still thinking they can use the Obama playbook. Folks are just going to turn out. He he's a once in a lifetime candidate or two lifetime candidate. The black infrastructure that was put in place by Reverend Jackson. Ron Walters, Ron Brown, after 1988, was obliterated because Obama didn't need it, and the white Democratic strategists refuse, who control the money refuse to listen to black people, and they're going to keep losing until they do. You know, there's this notion in campaigns, which has been—I've worked in Democratic campaigns for almost three decades, which is a little bit crazy, but there has been this sort of persistent notion that when we talk about, quote, base engagement, that it's something that happens late, right? That get out the vote is late. Um, and so then that really lumps voters of color into this bucket where, well, we're going to spend that money and we're going to do that communication late in campaigns. And I think, you know, again, some campaigns have bucked that. Some organizations have, have not followed that trend and have invested early. And I think you see the difference. But I think the biggest difference, and I think what is lacking in a lot of these cases, is, and this sounds obvious, but I, I think it's still lost upon many, is voters are going to vote if they believe that their vote can make a difference, if yep. they see that it's potentially going to have an impact. You know, I think about that. We talk about the Dobbs decision. I talked about that a lot, a lot last year because you looked at that Kansas vote, an election that was put in August, an August primary, so that anti-choice Republicans could have their first victory. They could have right after the Dobbs decision. And what happened was there was a clear delineation there where if you voted no on that, you could protect a woman's right to choose in that state. And actually a state that people think of as a you know overwhelmingly white state, which it is, the coalition was actually quite diverse, especially seeing younger Latina women coming out in record-setting numbers, women turning out at a higher rate than men. Why was that? It was because they saw a clear line between their act of voting and the yep. outcome that they desired, which was protecting choice. And we as Democrats are not doing a good enough job in connecting that line in enough of these communities that if you vote Democratic in these states, this is going to have this outcome that is important to you. Yep. That's where we're not well, doing you, enough of that work. Well, what, 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 what you just said, Terrence Woodbury, a black poster, literally— had the data showing that. Cornell Belcher, the same. But again, and, and, and I need people listening, people like, well, Jamie Harrison, they don't understand. The DNC doesn't get the lion's share of the money anymore. The real fundamental problem is that money is going to these PACs. Frankly, uh, they're not actually, they're not diverse at all. And if they don't, if they don't listen, and, and I'm saying to the Biden people right now, you should be investing right now for 2024 because you've got to tell the story of what you accomplished because a lot of people, frankly, don't know. If, if, if they aren't focusing on that right now, they're in, they wait late. They 
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Lose next year. Yeah, I mean uh, that, that's absolutely right. This this early investment, it's now. Now is the time. I will say, and I think we need to call this out as well. There has been this popular notion that has taken hold in the Democratic Party, really over the last couple of election cycles. This notion that the path to victory for Democrats, sort of universally, is this appeal to less educated white working class voters you know, be right. middle of the road. And, you know, people made this argument in Georgia. There's this false narrative that Stacey Abrams lost because she ran a, quote, uh, GOTV, a turnout only campaign. We worked with that campaign. We did polling, something I'm very proud of for Stacey Abrams. She did not run a mobilization only campaign. She ran a campaign that uh, appealed to all Georgians. I think the difference was people saw that, yes, yeah, she actually was talking to voters of color and focusing on mobilization early. And people took that as such a departure from the norm that it seemed like, uh, you know, some sort of error. It wasn't. It's what we all need to be doing. There are many other reasons why she faced a difficult path there. But people attributing that to this notion that, well, she lost because she focused too much on trying to mobilize the base is absurd when, frankly, um, you know, we aren't seeing enough resources. And again, I'm not saying that campaign resources shouldn't go to persuasion. They absolutely should. And Democrats, there's a certain calculus, as you know, having uh, done this work for years, uh, there's a path to victory. uh, And that includes a very diverse coalition in all these states. The problem is, at this point, in most of these cases, and certainly in these, these states and races where we lost by these surprisingly large margins and Democrats stayed home, I don't think anyone can look at that and say, well, we invested enough in base mobilization. Yep. 
Yeah, that's what exactly what it is. So, Tom, we're going to continue focusing on this all throughout the next year, and hopefully uh, these strategies are paying attention. We appreciate it. Thanks for your good work. Thank you. All right, got to go to a break, folks. We come back. Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee uh, talks why she's being attacked by Fox News. We'll explain next. Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Most people think that these television shows that, that tell stories about who we are as black men, and then they paint these monolithic portraits of us, they think that they're being painted by white people. And I gotta tell you, there are a whole bunch of black folk right. that, are, that are the creators, right. the head writers, right. the directors of all of these shows and that are still painting us as monoliths. The people don't really wanna have this conversation. No, they don't. on the black table with me, Greg Carr. Our legal roundtable is back in session as we look at yet another potential landmark case being considered by the United States Supreme Court. This one is called 303 Creative versus Alenis and may be the most important and far-reaching First Amendment, that is freedom of speech, case of our time. It could, depending on how the court rules, open the door for a return of Jim Crow segregation laws. It's true. If you say we can discriminate against one, you're saying we can discriminate against all. That's on the next Black Tape. Don't miss it. Right here on the Black Star Network. So this is Roger Bob. I got a message for Roland Mascot. Oh, I'm sorry. Ascot Martin. Buddy, you're supposed to be hooking me up with some of these mascots. I'm sorry, ascots that you claim to wear. Where's mine, buddy? Hey, yo, peace, world. What's going on? It's the Love King of R&B, Raheem Devon, and you're watching Roland Martin, Unfiltered.
All right, folks, welcome back to Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Let me further unpack the conversation we just had with Tom Bonnier, and that is what we are dealing with here. Um, when you, you look at the actual data, you will see that black voters who are 65 and older are more than likely to self-identify as Democrats, voters who are 55 and older, somewhat. But as you go below 55, 45, 35, 25, 18, they're less likely to identify as Democrats. Now, you look at how they vote, they are likely to vote Democrat, but less likely to self-identify, which means that Democrats have to actually work harder to appeal to their base voters. And so what you have is you have these white Democratic strategists who sit in these meetings and they think, oh, we're going to get anywhere from 85 to 88, 90, 95 percent of the black vote. The question is not the percentage that they're going to get. The question is how many turned out. So Mandela Barnes, oh, he got 90% of the black vote uh, in Milwaukee and Wisconsin, yet he lost. The issue wasn't the number, percentage number, it was the turnout, which means that Democrats are going to have to be more aggressive in how they target. Aggressive means spending money. Aggressive means you're going to have to put resources into it. So what you're seeing right now is, all across the country, you're seeing where Democrats are losing because they are not properly investing, as you heard Tom say earlier, where black folks are. Let me be real clear. We saw that even in Georgia with the Warnock campaign. They were not necessarily putting money into black newspapers uh, throughout they did it like September or even later. When you start looking at folks again, how you win, today's black voter is different from the black voter of 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Unfortunately, the people who control the money in the Democratic Party are white Democratic strategists. Let me say that again. They are white Democratic strategists. Overwhelmingly, they control the money. Even when you have black campaign managers, even when you have black senior advisors, who controls the money? That is what determines, and what they then do is they try to put nearly all that money in television. Well, here's the problem when you put that money in television, that's not ground. You're not educating, and people are turning television ads off. That, folks, it's what's at play. And we keep saying that, we keep telling folks that, but they don't listen, but you keep getting your ass kicked, then you might wake up and realize, hmm, let's actually listen to folks. Robert Patillo uh, is on my panel. He's a host of People, Passion, Politics, uh, News Talk 1380, WAOK in Atlanta, A. Scott Bolden, uh, lawyer here in Washington, D.C. We also have Rebecca Carruthers, vice president for Fair Election Center. Glad to have all three of you here. Um, Robert, the point that I was just making there, we saw it in Georgia. It really was the outside group that really helped the Warnock campaign. They, they were sleepwalking for a while there because they kept putting that money in television. They weren't activating the ground. 
Well, you know, Roland, if you look at the difference between, let's say, Texas, or sorry, Georgia, where you have Warnock running, and North Carolina, where you have Sherry Beasley yeah, running, uh, you have to look at the difference being uh, the outside groups, whether it's Black Voters Matter and uh, Latasha Brown, whether it's uh, SCLC, NAACP, Rainbow Post Coalition, uh, Georgia Coalition for the People's Agenda. Those were the people who were filling that gap that the Democratic Party had left, and that is what really pushed Warnock across the finish line when, uh, when it comes to that election. And as long as they continue to run this same tired playbook of give black people nothing and just assume they're going to turn out, they're going to keep losing. Uh, you also cannot uh, ignore the policy side of the situation. The Democrats were able to push through a $1.7 trillion infrastructure bill. They were able to push through a skinny Build Back Better bill. But when it comes to things such as voting rights that they promised black voters, they got nothing. When it came to criminal justice reform, where you have the Freedom Summer 2020, where people were pushing for that across the country, they got nothing. When it comes to even a vote on the study commission for reparations, you get nothing. So it's very difficult to motivate young people, in particular, and African-American males, to turn out when you look at all the things you said you're going to do for them, and then you did none of them, and then you're not investing in their communities, and you're not putting the street money out there to get them activated. What exactly did you think was going to happen? Well, but here's the deal, though, Rebecca. There were a number of things that they did, but if people don't know what you did, and you don't explain what you did, then they're not going to know that. And you're not, and you're not going to get that across, frankly, in a 30-second commercial. This is where this is where what needs to happen. There need to be a lot more town halls, direct engagements, activating black-owned media, going into those communities. That was part of the issue. Also, black radio. Again, what these white democratic strategists do is they take a line, they take the money, put it on television. Why? That's how they get paid. And so that's the deal there. You have to explain to people what you did. They ain't gonna read a three-page White House fact sheet. No, there are three phases of campaigning. There's identification, there's persuasion, and there's turnout, AKA GOTV, get out the vote. So with identification, you're actually going through all of your likely voters, those who are likely to vote, and you're identifying, are they going to vote Democrat or are they going to vote Republican? And then you have persuasion, where you get those undecideds and you start to persuade them on your candidate, and then you turn out folks. The issue is black voters tend to be put into the turnout or the GOTV bucket. Instead, just like you mentioned, when we know that there are a lot of black folks, especially under the age of 55, who no longer identify with the Democratic Party, that means that during the initial phase of campaigning, the identification, um, these campaigns need to go into black communities and identify who these voters are. And second, it's not just identifying their political affiliation or their political leaning, but when you get to persuasion, you have to persuade them to actually turn out and vote. And that's something that's not happening. Instead, it's just a shortcut that Democrats have been playing for the last 30, 40 years of let's wait until um, the last few weeks of the campaign, let's dole out walking around or street money, and let's use that um, to actually turn out um, black folks to vote. And that simply does not work anymore. And it's tired, and it's an old play. Uh, it, it really is still operating by an old playbook. And, and there are people, Scott, uh, who are like, okay, you're blaming Obama. No, what I'm saying is the strategy that Obama had, nobody else can replicate. Kamala right. Harris couldn't do it. Cory Booker couldn't do it. Because even black folks was like, yeah, that ain't going to work for us a second time. He did not need a targeted black 
plan. He had one, but he didn't need it. But his was, it was sort of nominal. And so that political infrastructure I keep talking about, that Reverend Jackson, Ron Brown, the late Dr. Ron, the, Dr. Ron Walters put in place, that was obliterated when, when Obama comes in, and these white strategies of the Democratic Party, they can still keep thinking, oh, we can keep using that playbook. Nah, you can't parachute him in and think he's just going to have people turn out. It's not going to work. How ironic that the first black president, <laughs> that their administration, their campaign, killed off the ground game put together by Reverend Jesse Jackson. And Jesse Jackson and those who came before him, including Ron Walters, enabled. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Barack Obama to be Barack Obama and become the first black president. But it's all politics is all local politics. Uh, Mary Berry here in D.C. used to say, how many votes you got coming out of War 5? And if you couldn't tell him, he knew that your ground game wasn't, wasn't sharp. Because when he campaigned, he counted every vote, every yes, every maybe, and gave a card, and the card came back to him. He could tell you how many votes he was getting out of War 5 every campaign he ran. The other thing I want to say is, it's interesting you bring up Ron Brown, because the one thing you said that people may have missed was that with Jamie Harris, uh, Jamie Harrison, all of the Democratic PAC money doesn't come to the DNC. Ron Brown, if you talk to his son, and I know you have, he's been on the program with us, one thing that Ron did in 88 or whatever years he was head of the DNC, he brought all that money to the DNC table. 
And he could decide how it was spent and who he was going to spend it well, with. Well, 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 now, remember, the DNC in 1988 is totally different because, yeah. because, because uh, Citizens United. So that's totally changed the deal. Here's the deal. Hold tight one second. I got to go to a break. I want to pick up at this when we come back. And then, of course, we're going to show you Oprah's uh, introduction of Westmore today at his inauguration. We'll play his whole speech as well. Here from the UNCF, talk to Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee. We also have Dr. Rowe as well as. Uh, Donald Richardson on the show as well. Jam-packed show, lots for you folks. We'll be right back. Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. You two folks, hit the like button. Y'all know you ain't nobody else giving you this kind of content anywhere else in America. Back in a moment. Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene. A white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. An angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol. We're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. Pastor Jackie Hood Martin, and I have a question for you. Ever feel as if your life is teetering and the weight and pressure of the world is consistently on your shoulders? Well, let me tell you, living a balanced life isn't easy. Join me each Tuesday on Black Star Network for a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. We'll laugh together, cry together, pull ourselves together, and cheer each other on. So join me for new shows each Tuesday on Black Star Network, a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. Carl Payne pretended to be Roland Martin. Holla! Hi, I'm Chaley Rose, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. And welcome back to Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, Scott, go ahead and finish your point. Yeah, well, well I, I got Citizens United, but the DNC and Jamie Harris, whoever's going to lead it, needs to figure out how to do something similar to that to control more of these dollars. But the bottom line is... The Democrats really don't care about uh, uh, black voters. They, they want the black vote. They know we got nowhere else to go. And until we vote and take our vote somewhere else, it's going to continue to happen because they're not dumb. They listen to this show. They listen to other shows. They know exactly what they're doing. And they're just unwilling to change it. They're in love with bringing white folks back to the party. Well, uh, well, I disagree. There are people. There are some who do care, Rebecca. Again, what 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 is going? What has to happen is, and I'm a firm believer in this. You have to have CBC members, other black politicians, uh, putting maximum pressure on all the levers. And what I'm talking about is not just the DNC. I'm saying DNC, DCCC, 
DSCC, Democratic Governors Association, Priorities PAC, EMILY's List, environmental groups, all of those groups, and there has to be a reckoning to say, yo, y'all play us, we gonna keep losing, and y'all keep trying to go after that suburban white voter, this is your base. I don't care who you are, you don't lock down your base on in any area, you lose. Right. Right now, the CBC is the largest um, caucus on the progressive side. They can really take over the D-trip. In fact, right now, what I would suggest for them to do is start knocking on doors in black neighborhoods and organizing black folks around what's happening with local school boards, especially with critical race theory, um, especially with black history being removed from a lot of our public schools. That's something very easy and simple that they can start organizing black communities around. Oh, absolutely. All right, folks, uh, let's go to our next story. Today uh, in Annapolis, Maryland, Wes Moore was sworn in as the 63rd governor of uh, Maryland. He is the third African-American elected uh, governor uh, since Reconstruction. Uh, of course, Doug Wilder was first in Virginia. Deval Patrick was second in Massachusetts. And it was uh, Wes Moore today uh, in Maryland. Uh, there were a number of people who, was, who were there. Uh, actor Chris Tucker was among those folks there. And it was Oprah Winfrey course, who had Wes Moore, when he was a book author on her show, who gave the introduction uh, before uh, he and gave his Dillon. speech as and governor of Maryland. I will, to the best of my skill and judgment. To the best of my... Hello, Maryland! I can tell you, it is such a joy, a joy to be here on this day, and what a joy to be back here in Maryland. I'm back! I have to say, I was just 22 years old when I first came to Maryland. I was starting a new job as a co-anchor of the 6 o'clock news on WJZ-TV. And I left my home in Nashville, and I drove myself here in an Oldsmobile Cutlass to Baltimore. I moved into the third floor at 10109 Windstream Drive, Columbia, Maryland, which at the time was considered this new model city. I was so excited, living away from home for the first time, from my family for the very first time. And as I walked around the city of Baltimore that first week, I saw the strangest thing. Their promo campaign was my face on billboards and my face on the backs of buses. My face advertising the six o'clock news with Jerry Turner. Remember Jerry Turner? <laughs> and a question on the billboards and the buses said, what is an Oprah? <laughs> Honestly, I didn't really know the answer to that myself. When I moved to Maryland, I had no idea really who I was or what an Oprah was. But I will tell you something, Maryland is where I figured it out. The eight years that I lived here were some of the most significant years of my life. I grew up here from a young, naive girl. I truly like had corn growing behind my ears. I was truly green behind the ears and grew into a woman becoming more and more of myself from every challenge and every experience.
I found community here at Bethel AME Church every Sunday. I found the freedom to perform and feed my creative spirit. I found my professional calling, sitting alongside Richard Scher for the show, People Are Talking. And though it wasn't the job that I moved here to do, it was the job that sparked my desire to use television to tell stories that would impact people's lives. And I found some of the closest friends of my life here, Maria Shriver and my BFF, Gail King. But most important, in Maryland, I found myself. This state is something special. It's a place where so many others have done and will do exactly what I did. Plant the seeds of their wildest dreams and watch those seeds grow into reality. Maryland is full to the brim with opportunity. It was back then, it is now. And I know that with Wes Moore as your governor, Maryland's best days lie ahead. So let me tell you a little bit about the West Moore that I know, the West that I'm proud to be standing here with today. Well, I met Wes for the first time in 2010 when I interviewed him about his best-selling book. Y'all read the book, right? <laughs> Everybody's gonna wanna read the book now. I was so impressed even then by his integrity and his wisdom. He was wise beyond his years. He knew who he was, and he had a vision for who he intended to be and how he wanted to serve. Though I have to say, I was delightfully surprised when he called me last year, on January 6th, as a matter of fact, to tell me that he wanted to serve as governor. And I said, you want to run for governor in this political climate where everybody is so polarized, where there's such vitriol? Look at what's happening right now as we speak, because as he was telling me, I could see the CNN screen behind him, and that's the first I knew of the invasion of the Capitol. So then I turned it on, I go, look at what's happening. You wanna run in this climate? And he said, exactly, exactly. So I said, go for it, and I'll be here if you need me. I always walk away from a conversation with Westmore with a new perspective, with new ideas, with a new way of seeing things, a new burst of positive energy. That's what you do for people. And about five years ago, Wes and our now First Lady of Maryland, <laughs> Don Moore, had come to my house for dinner and we had a conversation that stayed with me. I still think about that conversation. We were talking about, as we often do at the table, how to live with purpose and meaning and how to continue that into your later years and how to know that you are spending your precious days in a way that you'll be able to look back with pride and have absolutely never any regret. And I remember, Wes, you said to me, because I had just recently ended the show, and you said, your job title, talk show host, will change. Your titles change throughout your life, you said, but your occupation 
will also change, but your work, you say, will always be consistent. Wes has had quite a few titles in his life. Arthur, Army Captain, CEO, and now Governor. <laughs> the man has worn many hats, but the work he's done, the work he has always done, that has never changed. It has not changed, not even a little. He has always been committed to helping young people find purpose and direction in their lives. That's why he started a small business in Baltimore that gave a helping hand to college students who needed one. He's always believed that everyone deserves an equal shot at success, an opportunity to live well, to have lives that are meaningful and provide for their families in the way that he's able to provide for James and Mia. That's why he joined the Robin Hood Foundation, one of the largest anti-poverty organizations in America, and distributed more than $600 million to families in need. He has always loved our country and believed that our country is worth fighting for. That's why he served as a captain and a paratrooper in the 82nd Airborne Division. So you see, this might be his first day as an elected official, but Wes Moore has been a public service servant his entire adult life. And there's so much more to come. He's just getting started. I once asked Wes what service meant to him, and he told me it's the thing that makes your heart beat a little bit faster. Well, something tells me that is you prepared to tell us about your vision for a stronger, safer, and more equitable Maryland, a Maryland that leaves no one behind. As you prepare to serve the state that has meant so much to you, I do believe that your heart must be pumping, 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 <laughs> pumping some wild, ecstatic excitement and love for Maryland and all who abide here. It is my honor to introduce you as my friend, to introduce you as someone who I believe in, as a man I truly respect, and a man I so trust. I trust you. I trust your vision, I trust your leadership, and I want you to know you can trust it too in your new governor, Westmore. All right, folks, when we come back, we'll hear from Governor Westmore, his speech today uh, in Maryland, right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Download the Black Star Network app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. Also, don't forget, folks, we now are available on Amazon News. That's right, we on Am we on Amazon News. Uh, and so if you actually pull up the Amazon Fire Stick, uh, you can actually watch us on Amazon News. You can tell Alexa, uh, Black Star Network, you can actually hear the audio from the show as well and so our bp added more than 70 billion dollars to the u.s economy last year by making investments from coast to coast investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in california and starting up new infrastructure in the gulf of mexico 
It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. 24-hour streaming channel is now live on Amazon News via the Amazon Fire Stick. We'll be right back on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. That's right. You got to be. When you talk about blackness and what happens in black culture, we're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it. And you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause too long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in Black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Check some money orders. Go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037- 0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zell is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. On a next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, people can't live with them, can't live without them. Our relationships often have more ups and downs than a boardwalk roller coaster, but it doesn't have to be that way. Trust your gut. Whenever your gut is like, this isn't healthy, this isn't right, I don't like the way that I'm being treated, this goes for males and females. Trust your gut, and then whenever that gut feeling comes, have a conversation. Knowing how to grow or when to go, a step-by-step guide on the next A Balanced Life on Black Star Network. Pull up a chair, take your seat. The Black Tape with me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network. Every week, we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network. Hi, everybody. This is Jonathan Nelson. Hi, this is Cheryl Lee Ralph, and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. 
We carry it live today. Here is Wes Moore's speech as the new governor of the state of Maryland. Hello, Maryland! <laughs> to Governor Hogan, we are grateful and thankful for the kindness that you and your team have shown throughout this entire transition period. Thank you for eight years of great service to a state that we both love. <laughs> to my dear friend, Oprah Winfrey, <laughs> a Maryland girl at heart, thank you for your incredibly kind and gracious introduction. It is an honor to be with you today and always, and thank you for always being in my corner. To, uh, to your new first lady. My amazing wife, Dawn, and to, uh, to the new first babies. Me and James, you are you are my heart, you are my soul, you're my everything, and I love you. As we stand here today, looking out over Lawyers Mall, and you can see right there the memorial to Justice Thurgood Marshall. It's impossible not to think about our past and our path. We're blocks away from the Annapolis docks, where so many enslaved people arrived in this country against their will, and we are standing in front of a capital that was built by their hands. We have made uneven and unimaginable progress since then, and it is a history that has been created by generations of, generations of people whose own history was lost stolen or never recorded. But one thing we know is that right now we are standing here in our history, in our shared history, in our collective history, made by people who over the past two centuries, regardless of their origin story to this state, bought and built a state and a country that works for everybody. And there are two people who are here today who embody that spirit who are sitting right here next to me, two extraordinary women named Hema and Joy. <laughs> Hema came to this country from India. Joy from Jamaica. Yama. They immigrated to America with hope in their hearts, not just for themselves, but for future generations. And now, today they are sitting here together at the inauguration of their children to become the governor and lieutenant governor of a state that helped to welcome them. Please stand up. Please stand up so everybody can see you both. To Aruna's mom, Hema, 
And to my mom, Joy, you epitomize everything special about this state. And you are proof that in the state of Maryland, anything is possible. Now, yes, Aruna and my portraits are going to look a little bit different <laughs> from the ones that we've always seen in the Capitol. But that's not the point. This journey has never been about making history. It's about marching forward. Today is not an indictment of the past. Today is a celebration of our collective future. And today, our opportunity to begin this future is so bright, it is blinding. But only if we are intentional, inclusive, and disciplined in confronting challenges, making hard choices, and seizing this opportunity in front of us. Our state is truly remarkable. From my birthplace of Montgomery County, to my adoptive home of Baltimore City, from the sandy beaches of the Eastern Shore to the rolling hills of West, yeah, go ahead, Eastern Shore, go ahead and make yourselves known. <laughs> to the rolling hills of Western Maryland and everywhere in between. Maryland is home to spectacular natural beauty and dynamic industries and people as talented as they are determined. But the truth is, Maryland is asset rich and strategy poor. And for too long, we have left too many people behind. We know it is unacceptable that while Maryland has the highest median income in the country, one in eight of our children live in poverty. We know it is unacceptable that in the home of some of the best medical institutions on the planet, that more than 250,000 Marylanders lack health coverage. We've been asked to accept that some of us must be left behind and that in order for some to win, it means others must lose. And not only that, we've come to expect that the people who have lost will keep losing. We must refuse to accept that. Instead, I'm asking you to believe that Maryland can be different. I'm asking you to believe that Maryland can be bold. And I'm asking you to believe that in this moment, Maryland can lead. I'm asking you to understand that it is time for our policies to be as bold as our aspirations and to confront the fact that we have been offered false choices. We do not have to choose between a competitive economy and an equitable one. Maryland should not be 43rd in unemployment or 44th in the cost of doing business. We should not tolerate an eight-to-one racial wealth gap, not because it only hurts certain groups, but because it prevents all of us from reaching our full potential. We can attract and retain top industries like aerospace, like clean energy, like cybersecurity, and raise the minimum wage to $15 to help folks feed their families. <laughs> Maryland can reward entrepreneurs who take bold risks, and provide stability for families in need.
Maryland can be the best place in America for employers and employees. It shouldn't be a choice. It isn't a choice. And the path forward requires us to do both of these things together. And there's another false choice we often hear, that people must choose between feeling safe in their own community and feeling safe in their own skin. Over the last eight years, we have seen the rate of violent crime rise. And many Marylanders have grown weary in their faith that governments can actually keep them safe. We can build a police force that moves with appropriate intensity and absolute integrity and full accountability and embrace the fact that we cannot and will not militarize ourselves to safety. We can and we will support our first responders who risk everything to protect us and change the inexcusable fact that Maryland incarcerates more black boys than any other state in this country. We will work with communities from West Baltimore to Westminster to share data so we can keep violent offenders off of our streets and we can welcome people who have earned a second chance back to our communities. All right, folks. Uh, Scott, uh, I'll start with you. Uh, heck of a day uh, for that uh, man of Alpha Phi Alpha. No, I thought he was a Kappa. You sure? He sounds like a Kappa. No, he's but an in any event, Oh, he's an Alpha. He sounds like Obama, too. He oh, sounds he... like Obama, no, too. No, 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 no. He sounds like Westmore, one. Yeah, okay. But he sounds like Obama as well, not two. But he, here's, here's the deal. He's got a ton of goodwill. He's got a multi-billion dollar surplus. And he's talking about the redistribution of wealth to raise everyone from the bottom. All ships rise. His first year is when he's got to get it done and, it, and to demonstrate his ability to lead. Remember, he's never been in the government. When you talk about the redistribution of wealth, you're going to hit some barriers. But given his goodwill and his leadership skill set, if it works in government, then he'll have a record to run on for president in four years or eight years. Uh, well, That's what this is really about. Well, here's the deal. I, I, I dare say, Rebecca, don't start thinking about the presidency. Focus on being a good governor first. I really hope I just that he said takes that. the pain. I, uh, I hope Scott, he takes the Scott, pain. stop talking. Rebecca's turn. <laughs> Rebecca, go ahead. <laughs> nice to see Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the capital region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. 
With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Scott. I really hope he picks the page for Maynard Jackson's um, role when he was uh, mayor of Atlanta. I know being a mayor of a large city is very different than being a governor. But the reason why I say that is with Maryland's current surplus and also all that ARPA money, over $6 billion that went to Maryland, if he's talking about um, transitioning wealth, if he's talking about really building and digging in to BIPOC, um, black and brown um, businesses, um, he definitely has the resources to do so. And I hope he uses uh, Mayor Jackson's blueprint in order to do so. I'm right about 20 seconds. Your response, if I go to the break and play the second half of his speech. Well, I think the biggest thing is rebuilding Baltimore, as any uh, governor of Maryland has to do. Uh, there's no reason for that city to not be one of the crown jewels of this country. I think having a mayor that can work, or a governor that can work with the mayor of Baltimore, as opposed to against them, is a big step forward. Absolutely. And of course, if you're in Maryland, you need a strong Baltimore when it comes to uh, uh, now sales taxes and property taxes, things along those lines. Uh, and so that is going to be really important. Plus, West, Governor Westmore has the benefit. Democrats control the legislature and the top four officials in the state of Maryland, all African-American. And so it's also important when it comes to black politics. Uh, hey, folks, don't forget, uh, you can now watch us on Amazon News with the Amazon Fire Stick. And uh, so all you got to do uh, is uh, use that device. You can also uh, have us on your main page. Uh, and so that's where we are. And so please support us there and support us on all uh, Amazon, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV as well. We come back, part two of Governor Westmore's inauguration speech today in Annapolis, Maryland. We'll be back in a moment. On the next Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, we're talking about the difficulty of being able to acquire wealth for Black Americans. My guest, Emily Flitter, is the author of The White Wall, How Big Finance is Bankrupting Black America. The bad stuff that you feel when you're dealing with the financial services industry is not your fault. It's not your fault and you don't deserve to be treated like this. That's right here on Get Wealthy, only on Black Star Network. Next on The Black Table with me, Greg Carr. Our legal roundtable is back in session as we look at yet another potential landmark case being considered by the United States Supreme Court. This one is called 303 Creative versus Alenis and may be the most important and far-reaching First Amendment, that is freedom of speech, case of our time. 
it could, depending on how the court rules, open the door for a return of Jim Crow segregation laws. It's true. If you say we can discriminate against one, you're saying we can discriminate against all. That's on the next Black Tape. Don't miss it. Right here on the Black Star Network. We're all impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives. And we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. This is Judge Mathis. Hi, I'm Teresa Griffin. Hi, my name is Latoya Luckett, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. All right, folks, welcome back. Here's part two of Maryland Governor Wes Moore's inauguration speech. I know what it feels like to have handcuffs on my wrists. <laughs> We're not alone. I felt that when I was 11 years old. I also know what it's like to stand with families and mourn the victims of violent crime. We do not have to choose between being a safe state and a just one. Maryland can and we will be both. We're, we're often told that climate change is a problem for the future or something that you only have to worry about if you live in, if you live in farmlands or in a flood zone. But climate change is an existential threat, and it is happening now in our communities. And so confronting climate change represents another chance for Maryland to lead. We can and we will be a leader in wind technology, in grid electrification, and in clean transit. We will protect our jewel, the Chesapeake Bay, and address toxic air pollution that chokes our cities, and we will put Maryland on track to generate 100% clean energy by 2035 and create thousands of jobs in the process. <laughs> clean energy will not just be a part of our economy, clean energy will define our economy in Maryland. But that requires everybody, companies, communities, state and local governments, and the people to take bold and decisive action together. And importantly, we do not have to choose between giving our children an excellent education and an equitable one. We will ensure that every single one of our students and every single one of our children knows that this state loves and needs them, and we will create policies that can help them thrive. We will invest in our special education students, our English language learners, our LGBTQIA students, students experiencing homelessness, and every single child who needs a little extra help. And we will see to it that mental and behavioral health challenges do not prevent our children from getting the education that they deserve as well. And while Maryland is home to some of the best 
and some of the greatest institutions of higher education in this country, something we should be very, very proud of. We must end this myth that young people must attend one of them in order to be successful. That's not the path for every student. To be clear, it wasn't my path. I joined the military when I was 17 years old. I went to a two-year college, and I think things worked out pretty well. <laughs> Every student in Maryland will know that there are paths to their success and their fulfillment. And those paths begin with high quality and highly inclusive schools from pre-K to 12th grade. Now, my own journey started in military school, where I learned one of my core values, service. I went on to lead soldiers in Afghanistan, and my years of service transformed me. My character was strengthened, my vistas were widened, and my leadership was tested. I want every young Marylander of every background and from every community to have the opportunity to serve our state. That's why we will offer a service year option for all high school graduates. A year of service can prepare our young people for their careers and also provide our state with future leaders, public servants that we desperately need. The challenges that we will face will require all of us to answer this call to service, to go out and join the ranks of our teachers and our firefighters, our police officers and our civil servants, our nurses and our union members. You've elected me to serve as your governor, but the work will be done together. Now, fair warning, there are going to be skeptics. And people who say that we cannot rise above the toxic partisanship that we see too often in today's politics, where people care more about where the idea came from than is it a good idea? Those are the same voices that told me at the beginning of this campaign, you don't understand how politics works. And to them, I said and I say, we must govern on big principles and not on petty differences. That we must govern in a way that addresses the needs of all of our families and not worrying about what, the what a political ideology asks us to believe and asks us to do that we must govern in a way that we will never forget who it is that we're fighting for and what it is that we're supposed to be fighting for. We know that in this moment we have a chance, we have an opportunity, and we have a unique place and space to do something special. And when people say, well, how do you know that you can do this or how do you know that you can execute upon this in this time of divisiveness, in this time of political vitriol, my answer is this, it's the only way that I've ever led. You know a question I never once asked my soldiers when I was leading soldiers in Afghanistan? What's your political party? It didn't matter. We had one job, one goal, and, my, and one mission. My job was to unify our unit and go out and accomplish that mission, and it's the same job and responsibility that we have right now.
If we are divided, we can't win. But if we are united, we can't lose. Now we know that we stand here on the cusp and in a time of, of a measure of, of a historic measure. And we're very humbled by that. We know that in this time, that while for both Aruna and myself, that we're walking in a space that and we're able to see higher because of the shoulders that we're standing on. We also know that is not the assignment. That in this time and in this moment, we have a unique opportunity to lead and to love. We have a unique opportunity to build and to grow. But that opportunity can only happen if we're doing it together. Now is the opportunity that we have to march forward and to march together. And let us march on till victory is won. Today is not the victory. Today is the opportunity. It is our opportunity to lead with love. It is our opportunity to create with compassion. It's our opportunity to fight fearlessly for our future. Maryland, our time is right now. Our time is now to build a state that for those who came before us that they fought for, and it's a state that leaves no one behind. This is not a slogan, it is the fulfillment of a hope. Maryland, it's time, let's lead, and let's do it together. God bless you all, and thank you so much. Rob Patillo, powerful point there to hear the new governor talk about what it felt like to have a handcuffs placed on him when he was just 11 years old. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the point that he's making about the, this false dichotomy that's been created in the national discussion, that you can either have safe communities or you can have police reform, uh, that's a very important point that has to be made. Because uh, often we hear conservatives say, well, they want to defund the police. They want crime to run rampant. No. Uh, people want safe communities regardless of the color of their skin. But at the same time, they don't want to have to fear the criminals and also fear law enforcement. Uh, and therefore, I think that having a governor who understands that need for balance, that need for programs, uh, particularly when he was talking about educational programs that can help bring more youth uh, into the working environment without requiring four years of college, finding other ways for people to serve, finding other ways for people uh, to uh, prosper in the state, I think it's a very important, very powerful speech. And I'm hoping that he finds the, uh, the allies needed in uh, Annapolis uh, to bring these policies into fruition, because the state of Maryland needs this type of uh, unity uh, because of the diversity of the state, because of the uh, various areas. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. 
Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know. What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. The state that have grown apart, having a governor trying to pull that back together is crucial. Rebecca, normally these inauguration speeches are pretty boring. That was a very substantive and effective speech. Yeah, it was. And I really look forward to see what he's going to do over the next four years. I know a lot of people are excited because he speaks well, he presents well, he has a beautiful family, and a lot of people are talking about him perhaps running in 2024 or 2028. But I actually want to see him govern. I want to see him take the time to do what it is that he outlined in today's speech and actually really work hard to make sure that the legislature is passing meaningful legislation, um, that he's being a friend to the mayor in Baltimore, that he's being a friend to um, the county executive in Prince George's County, that he's working with Montgomery County to really push those communities forward. And we'll, we'll actually see some good um, progress in Maryland if that happens, rather than having a governor who says the right thing, as we've had with the previous governor, but was adversarial, especially to uh, Baltimore and at times to Prince George's County. Scott? Yeah. Uh, the question will be, will he overcome politics or will politics overcome him? One of his favorite lines on the stump that he didn't use today was when he talks about poor, black, and disenfranchised folks, he wants to create employers not employees. So he's got this entrepreneurship piece that's going to go with all ships being lifted. And so there again, he's got to get it done. There is no other governor that speaks like him, no other governor that has that positive of a message and right. believes that much in his ability to marshal these resources and lead Maryland. If he's able to do it, regardless of what he runs for in the future, if he's able to do that, he is going to be a transformational right. leader for the state of Maryland. All right, folks, got to go to a break. Coming up next, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson-Lee will also talk with the UNCF about a major donation they've received. Folks, don't forget, you can vote for us for the NAACP Image Award. That's right. Here's what you do. You go to vote.naacpimageawards.net. Scroll down to the category Outstanding News Information Series or Special. Select that category. Then what you do is scroll to Roland Martin Unfiltered, Black Votes Matter Election Night Coverage. Click on Vote. You can then scroll back to the other categories uh, as well. You can register your vote with the email of your choice. You can actually use more than one email if you want. Only one vote is allowed per email address. Then confirm that you're not a robot. Voting ends February 10th at 9 p.m. Eastern. Let's go ahead and bring this home. We're the only black-owned media 
media company that actually got nominated for an image award. We'll be right back. On the next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, people can't live with them, can't live without them. Our relationships often have more ups and downs than a boardwalk roller coaster, but it doesn't have to be that way. Trust your gut. Whenever your gut is like, this isn't healthy, this isn't right, I don't like the way that I'm being treated, this goes for males and females. Trust your gut, and then whenever that gut feeling comes, have a conversation. Knowing how to grow or when to go, a step-by-step guide on the next A Balanced Life on Black Star Network. Most people think that these television shows that, that tell stories about who we are as black men, and then they paint these monolithic portraits of us, they think that they're being painted by white people. And I gotta tell you, there are a whole bunch of black folk right. that, are, that are the creators, right. the head writers, right. the directors of all of these shows and that are still painting us as monoliths. The people don't really wanna have this conversation. No, they don't. What's up, everybody? It's Godfrey, the funniest dude on the planet. <laughs> Hi, I'm Israel Houghton. Apparently, the other message I did was not fun enough. So this is fun. You are watching... Roland Martin, my man, unfiltered. All right, folks, the white nationalist at Fox News never like it when you got to confront racism in this country. Tucker Carlson is really upset at Texas Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee because she don't like white supremacy. Listen to this, fool. Now, Lee has, quote, served in Congress for nearly 30 years, but it's hard to think of a single thing she has ever done to improve the lives of the people who elected her. She doesn't seem interested. Instead... Sheila Jackson Lee has devoted her entire political career, indeed her entire life, to a single cause, shrieking about white racism. That's what Sheila Jackson Lee does for a living. Here's a selection. Institutional racism and systemic racism taints and spoils uh, the way that America treats to Tucker Carlson. I just want to give y'all a flavor of what he's complaining about. First of all, I find it hilarious that Tucker will suggest that Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee hasn't done anything for her district in 30 years. I don't think Tucker's ever been to her district. Uh, and so, but again, when you're talking to a bunch of ignorant people on the Fox News who don't do any research whatsoever, they believe anything that he says. And so why is he upset with her? Well, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee joins us right now. Uh, glad to have you on the show. So, Congresswoman, uh, boy, what, what, uh, uh, you got little Tucker upset. Not only um, Tucker, but also Lauren Boebert, who started at first late Sunday night and I provided her with a, a very detailed education on her misrepresentation and untruth. I introduced, uh, Roland, H.R. 61, which I will stand by. I have worked extensively on hate crime, anti-hate crime legislation from the time that Jane Barrett was decapitated in Texas. Maybe Tucker needs to know the history of this state uh, and the history of African-Americans 
who have been subjected to hangings and brutalities. But I introduced the uh, bill that would add white supremacy to the list of race, uh, ethnicity, and religion as elements of hate crimes, evidenced by Director Ray of the FBI, who said, white supremacy is the largest portion of domestic terrorism. And unlike years back, when al-Qaeda was a threat to the United States, domestic terrorism is. Should I list Buffalo, New York? Should I list Mother Emanuel? Should I list the Walmart massacre of Mexican-Americans? All motivated, in many instances, by replacement theory and white supremacy. So Lauren Boebert took it on, that's the congresswoman, and I gave her a treatise that she did not read the bill. It has nothing to do with speech. It has nothing to do with white people not speaking. In fact, I told Lauren Boebert, if she wants to be a white supremacist, be my guest. If she wants to speak about it, be my guest. But when that kind of speech, motivation relates to and results in a crime of hatred and violence, it is a violation and should be a violation of the federal hate crimes law. Now, I am incensed that um, Tucker Carlson would say all of my life. Well, all of my life, I've been black and I've been a woman. And so if it is ne uh, necessary to speak about racism and what it does to taint America's uh, soul and soil, I will do so. But I do so uh, in the embrace of diversity, of the freedom of all backgrounds, white people, uh, Hispanics, African-Americans, Asians, others, and all religions. I'm known for that. I am known for that. And I take issue with his wrong interpretation. Uh, the thing that uh, that Tucker also conveniently left out is that after the Buffalo massacre of those black folks at the grocery store, uh, it was, uh, uh, you, you had uh, Congressman Jamal Bowman who pushed forth uh, a resolution uh, dealing with the issue of white supremacy uh, in that shooting. A significant number of Republicans voted against it. And so, and so what we have to understand is that, so Tucker clearly is speaking to his audience. They align with white nationalism and in many cases white supremacy because they do not want folk like you and Congressman Bowman and others calling out white supremacy. They hate it. Uh, you are absolutely right. And my bill, and I supported Congressman Bowman, we worked together my bill will be a law where it will be a criminal offense for white-motivated, white supremacy uh, generating into violence, uh, violent extremism, and the loss of life. Uh, he added another insult by suggesting uh, that um, uh, I uh, did a bloodline, if I will, if, I, if I'm correct on that terminology, it was used against Jews for many, many years. Um, and I am stunned that he would now bring that terminology out when my understanding is that my Jewish friends are absolutely appalled at that kind of terminology and accusation against them. So he's taken upon himself uh, to attack everyone in the most vicious untruth that you could imagine. I do want him to answer the question. I do want him to answer the question, how does he explain the killing of 10 black people in Buffalo? How does he explain the killing of worshipers in Mother Emanuel Church? How does he explain uh, an individual from way north Dallas, way north Texas, excuse me, driving hundreds of miles to shoot Mexican-Americans in a Walmart store. How does he explain that? And is he willing to accept that as what America is? I'm not willing to accept it. It is actual hate. It's a hate crime, just as in Charlottesville, where they said the Jews will not replace us. 
absolute racism and a part of white supremacy. So I'm just wondering where uh, where Tucker gets his, uh, how should I say it, his backbone to even criticize and not understand the legislation. And the same thing with the congresswoman who indicate that's all Democrats do. I don't want to give you a long litany of what I've done for the 18th Congressional District, but let me just say that I enjoy the opportunity to serve my constituents, and whenever they need me, I am there for them. So, uh, so, so I'm curious, Congresswoman, uh, has Tucker invited you to his show, uh, and, or has, and has your staff reached out to him to say, since you got so much to say, why don't you invite the Congresswoman on to have this issue discussed? Uh, we have, in fact, been in discussions, and I told my staff, if he is serious, we'll have a conversation. If he is not, I will not go on to be uh, a whipping boy for Tucker Carlson. I can take him on, but I don't have the controls of being cut off uh, on the other end, and I refuse to be cut off uh, on behalf of my constituents. So right. we are in well, uh, look, uh, I, I'll say this here. If you go on, it needs to be on set, not by satellite, uh, as, as opposed to you talking to a camera and not be able to see the monitor, uh, even if it's tape. Uh, and again, uh, it needs to be had because here's the deal. Look, Tucker Carson, first of all, he's scared as hell of me. I mean, you know, he'll invite, he's invited a whole bunch of folks who I have on my show. Oh, he's absolutely scared to death of having me on. But that's also Fox News. They don't want to have people with a different perspective because they don't want somebody bringing real facts and embarrassing their clueless and nonsensical show host. Roland, I encourage uh, Tucker Carlson to get courageous and invite you. And I want to personally thank you for being one of the first shows that I'm given an opportunity uh, to be able to share about what H.R. 61 really means and how it has generated the ire of people who really don't read and you've just characterized, simply don't want the truth. It would be nice if they wanted the truth. I encourage them to invite Roland on for many things that you would have to offer them about the truth. I wish to offer the truth, and you've given me good counsel, uh, that in order to be able to control the camera uh, and not be cut off, it would be in person. So those discussions are ongoing. Um, we have, we uh, heard from them, but again, uh, the parameters have to be discussed. But the point is, I just want the truth to be out. Uh, the truth is that white supremacy is dangerous, uh, and it is part of the violent extremism that plagued us since January 6th. It plagued us with the voices of the former president, and it's plaguing us now. Does anyone understand why a individual who lost by 50 points would be shooting up uh, the homes of Democratic election officials. This is violent extremism, and America has to collectively stand up against it. As a black woman, I am not going to allow Tucker Carlson to get the best of my message, my truth, and who I represent. And so I'm grateful that I was able to come on and explain what this bill meant uh, and to say that Tucker Carlson is wrong. Uh, and I'm sure I'll have the opportunity to say that further. Well, this is precisely why black-owned media matters, uh, being able to have platforms that we own and control. Uh, and also, I appreciate you for fighting on our behalf for advertising dollars as well, because we've been too often left out of the mix. And so we're going to continue that fight, because when we have our own platforms, we have an ability to speak back and counter the nonsense that we hear from Fox News and other platforms. Thank you so very much. And you are absolutely right. But I just pay tribute to the truth telling uh, that you do on a regular basis every day. Thank you again. I encourage everyone to pull H.R. Uh, 61, the Laws Act, 
Um, it is an amendment of the hate crimes law, and it makes it a crime uh, for white supremacy motivated, let me be clear, white supremacy motivated violence. That's all it does. Not speech, but violence. Gotcha. Congressman Sheila Jackson-Lee, thanks a lot. Thank you. Have a good evening. Indeed. Scott Bolden, these are the kind of games that, that you see Fox News. They will lie. They will distort. They will say things to the audience to get them riled up because they are pressing the buttons of white fear, which is exactly why I wrote my book. That is the basis of the network and the basis of the evening opinion-making uh, shows. This bill in and of itself, as the Congresswoman just said, if, you, if you're not going to be a white racist or white supremacist engaged in violence, then you probably, and you don't support that, then you ought to vote for that bill. It's just that simple. We passed a hate crime bill. And so, um, you know, it gets tricky for her to go on and debate Tucker Carlson because they control so much of the camera, even if you're on set, quite frankly. But uh, I think it would be refreshing for a truth teller like uh, the Congresswoman to go on and have a fair debate with him. It would be even better for you to have a fair debate with him. Oh, they don't want none of this. They may not, but they... Now, you but know they don't. Th because they're not interested in that, because that's not their audience. And the whole balance and truth issue isn't what they're selling. They nope. are selling to a core constituent of uh, white Republican conservatives. Uh, bottom uh, line. No, they, they talk it in white conservatives. Uh, Rebecca, real quick, go on. <laughs> business model for his show requires white grievance and white fear. That's the only way his show works. That's the only way his show is able to uh, to sell ads. Um, but that said, the biggest problem that Tucker has is the accountability piece that Congresswoman Jackson Lee has placed in her bill to actually have accountability of not when, when you have white supremacy and hate speech, but when you actually have violence, when you actually have actions that is tied back to those to that speech. And that's what Tucker's problem is. He has a problem with the critical race theory talked about white supremacy and calling things out because of that accountability piece. Even what he went on further to say to talk about what has happened in South Africa since the ending of apartheid, well, one of the big things that's happened in South Africa since the ending of apartheid is a lack of accountability yep. for those who um, who led on apartheid, those who benefit um, during apartheid. Yeah, but the, those will be called facts, and Tucker doesn't like facts, nor does Fox News like holding them accountable as well. Got to go to a break. We come back. We'll talk with the UNCF about a huge donation they have received. Folks, we're talking about white fear. Don't forget to get a copy of my book, White Fear, How the Browning of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Minds, available on all platforms, including you can download it on Audible. Don't forget, I'll be in St. Louis on Saturday for our White Fear tour with the St. Louis Era Urban League with Michael McMillan and rapper activist Tev Pope. Look forward to that conversation at 3 p.m. Uh, if you want to attend, it's free, uh, but send us a, a RSVP, info at RolandSMartin.com. I'll be right back. I'm Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, and my new show, Get Wealthy, focuses on the things that your financial advisor and bank isn't telling you, but you absolutely need to know. So watch Get Wealthy on the Black Star Network. impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives, and we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, 
Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. Pull up a chair. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Take your seat at the Black Table with me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network. Every week, we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network. Black Star Network is here. Oh, no punch! A real um, revolutionary right now. Uh, thank you for being the voice of Black America. All the momentum we have now. We have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? Hey, I'm Dion Cole from Blackish. What's up? I'm Lance Gross, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. about a big donation to the United Negro College Fund. The, the company Fidelity uh, has made a $190 million contribution, the largest uh, to the UNCF, uh, as it relates to a part of its $250 million investment in its My Education Initiative. Of course, this new social impact program built by Fidelity and its philanthropic partners, again, commits $250 million across the next, over the next five years to provide access to education and facilitate economic mobility for up to 50,000 
1,000 underrepresented African-American, Black, Latinx, American, Native American, and Asian Pacific Islander American students. Joining us right now uh, regarding this uh, is Dr. Michael Lomax. He is the president and CEO of the UNCF, Pamela Everhart. She's the head of regional public affairs and community relations at Fidelity Investments. Uh, glad to have uh, all of you. Michael, how did this come about? Well, you got to ask Pam. She <laughs> it came about because a wonderful company, Fidelity, uh, wanted to do something great, and that is to help uh, black and brown college students in the communities where they have uh, financial centers in 11 states around the country. And they did some homework, and they figured out who does scholarships in a innovative and holistic way. And they came knocking at the UNCF doors, and the UNCF doors opened, and we have developed a great program uh, that meets the bill that uh, uh, Pam Everhart and her team at Fidelity want to meet for the communities where they work. So, Pamela, about that, uh, how did those conversations begin uh, and it result uh, in this uh, major contribution? Well, thank you, Roland, for inviting me to be on the show. I'll just start off by saying that Fidelity has focused on underserved communities for years. This is not this is not anything new for us, but we wanted an intentional focus on education. Education is about who we are. It's a part of our culture. It's built into our fabric. And as Dr. Lomax uh, mentioned, we started to do some research around education. And what we found is that black students graduate from four-year colleges only at a 21% rate within a four-year period. Uh, Hispanic students graduate, 30, only 32% of them graduate at, at four years. And with white students, it's 45%. And then we also saw that the amount of loans taken out by black students was much higher than that of white students. And when they took out those loans, they were risky. So what we wanted to do was make sure that black and Latinx students have an opportunity to start to build generational wealth. And one way, only one way that you can do that is through education. So we wanted to make sure that those systemic barriers that are in place that prevent our students, our black and brown students from graduating with no debt, we wanted to make sure that we could provide an answer to that. So we looked for a partner. We wanted someone smart, someone who was experienced in scholarships, and there was no better partner than the UNCF. To that particular point, there are a lot of people uh, and, and who are highly critical of graduation rates. Uh, specifically at HBCUs. I remember when the Parent PLUS loan uh, was changed under the Obama administration. There were a number of times uh, when Obama uh, made some comments about that to the CBC, to the CBC and some other groups. Uh, and uh, there were folks like, like us who uh, hit back at, at him on that by saying, look, you're sitting here saying these folks can't graduate their students, when the fact of the matter is, a significant number of black students, if you look at when they go to a Morehouse 
or places like that. They can be there for the freshman and the sophomore year, but the money runs out by the third year. There's some people, they drop out, they got to go work, come back to make money. And so the reality is black students do not necessarily, a significant number of them, don't have those resources to stay four or five consecutive years. And that's why sometimes it takes six, seven years. And so this obviously uh, is going to make a huge difference. You know, I'd like yeah. to just, no, go ahead, Pam, but. I was going to say, absolutely, and, and the research that we um, dug into uh, justified that, Roland. So I wanted to make sure that finances would not be the issue to cause them not to graduate. But we know it's, it takes more than money. Money is just not enough, right? So you have money, but then what this program does is provide wraparound services. So we're going to provide mentoring services, college coaching services, mental health services, um, have, we're going to provide opportunities for students to apply for internships so, and financial education um, services as well. So all of that together, holistic approach is what we saw is different than the traditional scholarship programs. Michael? Yeah, you know, I think this is, first of all, uh, Roland, you do this a lot and you talk to people who want to talk about HBCUs and education a lot. Uh, you're hearing from someone in PAM and the folks at Fidelity who've really done their homework. They said there's a problem we want to make a difference on, and that is helping first-generation, low-income, black and brown students in the communities where we do business. We want to help them flourish in getting a good education that will open up new careers and good jobs for them and also enable them to, to build wealth. And they asked the question, what are the obstacles that get in the way? And as Pam has said, yes, money gets in the way. Uh, money is necessary, but it's not sufficient to address the issue of persistence through graduation. Because life gets in the way of our students, and they haven't had the opportunities to prepare for education uh, in ways that will enable them to navigate the complex world of going to college. And that's what uh, Fidelity is really addressing. They're, they're taking a 360-degree view of the student. They're saying, yes, there's a financial issue that these students have, but they have other supports that they need. And we want to figure out with our partner, the United Negro College Fund, that knows scholarships and knows students and knows this journey, how we support those students so that they can be more efficient and more effective in making that journey. And then as the things that we learn, we want to share with our country. We want to share with other corporations. So if they want to do scholarship programs, they're going to do best-in-class scholarships the way Fidelity is doing them. So uh, when does it start? How do people actually apply? Well, they go to the, the website at UNCF. And they'll get information. Now, we, you know, we have been moving very rapidly on this, and we will start uh, receiving applications uh, in another 30 to 60 days. So we're not ready for it yet. But if you are a high school senior in one of the communities, uh, in, uh, in, if you're in Dallas-Fort Worth in Texas, if you are in uh, Boston in Massachusetts, if you are in Raleigh-Durham in North Carolina, those three cities in those three states will be the first of the 11 states that are going to roll out on this every year. And so if you're, if you're a student who meets the profile we've been talking about, Pell eligible, and, and you are in the, in, in the 
the, the middle. You're not one of those, uh, you're not making a 4.0 average, but you have a 2.5 or above grade point average. You're eligible, to, you're going to be eligible to apply to get the resources to get a full college scholarship to attend college in the state in which you are located. So uh, we'll be uh, receiving applications starting at about 30 to 60 days. It'll be, we're still working on the exact details of that. But this will be for the academic year 23-24 for high school seniors going to college in Texas, in North Carolina, and in Massachusetts who come from Dallas-Fort Worth, Raleigh-Durham, or Boston in those city, in those states. I got a little time left. Quick question for my panel. Uh, Scott, go. Hey, Doc. Um, hey, Scott Bolden here. Thank you for, to both of you all. As someone who sits on the Board of Trustees for Morehouse College, your alma mater, Dr. Lom Lomax, uh, we know this story far too well. The reality, though, is the HBCU, HBCUs also don't have the resources to help those students get across the finish line. Yeah. Is any of the $250 million dedicated to assisting any of your member uh, colleges and universities, well, or are you partnering with them in any way on this project? Well, it, as you know, uh, North Carolina has about 15 HBCUs. They'll all be eligible for uh, students to apply uh, from, uh, in North Carolina, from, from uh, uh Raleigh-Durham, and in Texas from Dallas-Fort Worth to attend. The, they will be eligible to, to, to apply for their, the HBCUs in that commu those communities as well. Uh, there will be 100 uh, scholarships annually in those cities. The other point that I would make is that while the full scholarships will be more limited, uh, and Pam, maybe you want to just say a word about the other supports that you know, with uh, college completion grants that will be available to a larger cross-section of students in those states as well. Yeah, I was going to say that's another uh, innovative and unique uh, approach that we're taking. So we are going to make available to students through institutions. And so the gentleman that asked the question, would monies go to other um, schools? Um, absolutely, through the, this uh, retention process. So what we will do is make sure that there is money available for students who have, let's say, $1,000 left to pay or a, um, a lab bill that they haven't paid. Those small um, expenses that sometimes prevent you from going on to the next semester. So those retention completion grants we will make available to students as well. And then I also want to say that on this mighty middle, that's something that's different um, in our approach. Mm -hmm. Generally, scholarship programs look at students who are at the very, very top from an academic standpoint or from an income standpoint at the very, very bottom. We are focusing on those solid B students those students that have determination, that have potential, um, that have true grit, and who basically are the primary workers in America. We want to make sure that they have the resources they need to succeed. All right, then, Pamela, thanks a bunch. We appreciate uh, this uh, decision by Fidelity. Uh, Michael, always glad to have you on the show as well. We appreciate it. Bye-bye.
All right. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. All right, folks, got to go to break. We come back. Uh, we continue our uh, new you in 2023. We'll be chatting with Donna Richardson uh, about, again, fitness, getting your mind right to get your body right. That's next on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. YouTube, folks, hit that like button. Hit that like button, y'all. You know how to hit it. Uh, we should easily be over 1,000. Facebook, hit the share button as well. And the same thing if you're watching the Black Star Network app. We'll be back in a moment. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. hatred on the streets, a horrific scene, a white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. As an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol, we're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. Next, get wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach. We're talking about the difficulty of being able to acquire wealth for Black Americans. My guest, Emily Flitter, is the author of The White Wall. 
how thick finance is bankrupting Black America. The bad stuff that you feel when you're dealing with the financial services industry is not your fault. It's not your fault and you don't deserve to be treated like this. That's right here on Get Wealthy, only on Black Star Network. What's up, y'all? I'm Will Packer. I'm Chrisette Michelle. Hi, I'm Chaley Rose, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Since we began the new year, since January 3rd, we've had our new you in 2023 segments focusing on uh, fitness and health and diet and, uh, and again, your mind as well. Uh, Donna Richardson has been in the game for a very long time. She joins us right now. Uh, Donna, glad to have you. Let's talk, First of all, Donna, I want to deal with the mind first because, again, for, for at, at the end of the day, if you are not committed uh, in your mind, I don't care what it is, whether it's working out, whether it's your diet, whether it's sleep, whether it's anything, you're not going to be successful in the long term. Yes, you're right, Roland. When I talk with people, and I've been doing this for 30 years, I will not even get them started until we try to change their mindset. You have to change and do it like a transforming or renewing of your mind. When you change your thinking, you will follow. So really it starts with changing your thought process and then acting on that. I think so often we just go to act and we have not thought it through or we don't have a plan. And sometimes this is about breaking old habits and establishing new habits. I think that is important for people to know that you have to want to change more than you want to stay the same. And it is challenging to change because we do hold on to some of those uh, habits that we've had forever. But I always say it starts with here, right here. If you can change your thoughts, then you can change your actions. I remember Bishop Jake said that you must eat from the garden of your own thoughts. So don't grow anything you don't want to eat. Everything starts here. So when we can start to change and transform the mind, then we can take steps towards being not just physically healthy, but mentally, spiritually, and emotionally as well. Got folks who are watching and they're already commenting. And one of the things that we I keep hearing from folks is, all right, okay, where do I start? How, where do I begin? Because for a lot of people, uh, it always happens in January. People, they'll join gyms and spend crazy amount right. of money, all that sort of stuff like that. Uh, but there really are some basic fundamental things people can do to begin this uh, lifestyle journey. I would say one is commit. You cannot conquer what you're not committed to moving forward. So you have to set the goals and you got to be committed to it. Now, I know that I take this a little deeper than most. I'd like to have most of the, the people that I work with to have a, I would say to, to make a confident with God. That is where you start and with yourself, because you can set goals and you can um, have a plan, strategic plan to accomplish it. But I think it requires obedience and a higher uh, accountability. Yes, it's great to have, you know, the buddy system. But I think if you can have that plan and that goal with God, and he knows what you're trying to do, and you're communicating every day, you're following up with the actions, that's where that health covenant comes in. Just saying, this is what I want to do. 
can you help me? He, we got to trust in him with everything else. Why wouldn't we start with trusting in him with our body, which is our temple of the Holy Spirit? Uh, I've got some other questions. So I would first say commit. We talked about change, right. how you have to change your mindset. Right. But the other part, too, I think is important is that a lot of times we we will do things that we know aren't good for us, but learned this habit we continue to do it. So we have to be willing to say, you know what, even though I've lived this way for a certain period of time, it's time for me to change that. And in order to change, you've got to make some big steps because it does start with your mind, but then every day you've got to be committed to doing it. It's like any other goal. You have to be persistent. You have to have perseverance, tenacity, courage, and step on a faith and do it. Uh, I got some other questions, but I want to go to my panel. Rebecca, what you got for Donna? Donna, so I want to talk women and weightlifting. Should we be lifting heavy? Now, that is definitely a good question, and I think it depends on your goal. But as we get more mature, it is important, and when I say mature, older, <laughs> over 50, <laughs> 60, <laughs> I think it's important to continue to do weightlifting, but it, I don't think it's important for you to do the heavy weightlifting. I think it's important to, to increase your strength, but also to increase toning the muscles as well. So you do do weight training and weight-bearing activities, but I don't think it's so much to focus on how much weight you can lift but just getting stronger and more toner because the age, the bone density starts to decrease and we definitely need to do the weight training that will help increase bone density. That's very important. And then also still doing the cardiovascular so that your heart and lungs can be healthy. And you also want to lose the weight. And that is the common both of them along with eating a good nutritional program, having that. Nah, everything you just said, Robert don't do none of that. So he, he, <laughs> uh, uh, Robert spent way too much time shooting his guns. Uh, so uh, Robert, uh, I, what show? You just get all kind of help. So I, you might get three questions. Go ahead. Uh, well, uh, I, did, I did have a question. You know, we live in the uh, uh, a different generation now, where there's a lot of emphasis on uh, aesthetics and body positivity. You know, kind of the uh, Lizzo phenomenon of I don't need to lose weight. Uh, and if you say anything about me losing weight, that's fat. How can you talk to people in your life uh, about maybe getting in shape or you know, helping them to get in shape without coming off as being, you know, derogatory or fat shaming or right. making them feel bad about it? I think we have to change our perception of what being in shape or being healthy is because being healthy is from the inside out. It's internal. So is, how's the blood pressure? Are you, you know, at risk for high um, hypertension or diabetes? That's all health issues that we need to address. And if you're at the right numbers, you're healthy. But in terms of your shape, your size, your color, culture, it's important to be healthy. And you can be healthy and you be full figured. I could be skinny and not be healthy. So we're focusing too much on the outside when we have to start with the health component of the inside. And I want to look fit and fine too. But what good is that if I've got high blood pressure and I'm on taking diabetes medication and, you know, I'm, I'm on this medication. And, and so it's like, it's not just about the look. And it goes back to what I said. Are we healthy mentally, emotionally, and spiritually? I've worked with people for a long, long time. And they always would go, um, uh, I always called the uh, Michelle Obama arms, M-O-A, right? Everybody wants that. 
want to help you get healthier and you look fit and fine on the outside, but you got a nasty attitude and a bad spirit on the inside. So we have to change how we look at what being healthy is about. And being healthy to me internally, it's got to be what I look in the mirror and what I see and not compare me to others. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I have to look in that mirror and accept and love who I am. I don't care at 60 if it's drop, droop, spread, and all the other things that happen. I have to love me. And if I'm loving me, I'm going to take better care of me. Next up is uh, P-Nob. That's who? Oh, yes, Scott. You know, somebody came up to me last week and they... Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, I was, oh, yeah. I was waiting to hit you with that one. Yeah. It's, it's P-9. Whatever the hell it is, somebody, gave me, gave, somebody gave me what your little nickname was in college the other day. And so I was waiting to hit you with it. Go ahead. What was it called? The prettiest noob on the yard without a question. Well, that, but well, oh, I digress. Well, well, hell, it probably was only two or three of y'all, so, you know. That was ahead. a lot. Yeah, hey, yeah. Hey, Donna, I like that. <laughs> thank you very much. Um, you know, your side of spirituality and getting your mind right, there are people out here who say, I just don't have it in me to work out. I want to get on some diet drugs, whether it's Wacoby or some of the other drugs, or I want to have surgery that's going to reduce my weight. But the reality is, you, even if you do that, you got to get your mind right at how yeah. you approach food, your relationship with food, for any of those other um, mechanisms to work to get you to lose weight. Could you comment on that? Yeah, because, I mean, a lot of people are, you know, having surgery and, and taking different things to help to lose weight. But if you're not disciplined, you can start eating way too much, not working out as not enough, and then all that comes back. And then you're going to have to get surgery again or to take more medication. So, really, it is about changing how you want to live your life. And the bottom line is, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. You can't do anything. So I think it's a personal decision on how you go about it. But do know there are risks when you do do some of the things that you talked about. And number two, if you don't stay being active and eating well, weight will come back and you'll have to repeat that same process again. And that's what we're talking about. We don't want to break the cycle of, of bad habits. We want to increase and get new habits established. And it does take work, but here's the thing. You gotta be sick and tired of being sick and tired that you want to change. Because you have to want to change more than you want to stay the same. Or you just keep doing what you're doing and you get the same results. You have to love yourself enough to say, I want better for me. I don't want to, you know, have to bend over and breath just tie my shoe up a flight of stairs and I'm exhausted. I can't play with my grandkids. How about when you're trying to get out of that car and the seat is kind of low and it's taking you quite a minute to get up because you got the extra weight and you're tired. You don't have the energy that, or stamina that you used to have. That impacts your overall daily activities that you do in life. And at some point, if that bugs you enough, if you are so like, okay, enough is enough, You'll do what it takes to change. I just saw Steve Harvey, and he said on his Instagram how he had started his program because he was sitting in a little beanbag or something trying to play with his kids. And for him to try to get up and do something, they started laughing at him because he had a difficult time just getting up. And that's when he knew to be an awakening moment or a reckoning moment that tells you you need to do something different. All right. Donna, how can folks reach you? 
I am on Instagram at I am Donna Richardson. I'm on Twitter at I am Donamite. And my Facebook is Donna Richardson. And yes, I'll be giving more tips. I'm glad to be a part of this with you, Roland. I think it's so necessary. We are still facing the crisis in our African-American communities where we're not as healthy, we're getting worse in our health. And if it's not someone like you leading the way and helping them and informing them and educating and empowering, we're not going to have a, a new healthy generation that we're passing the baton to. We got to make sure that they're healthy. And, and, you know, everybody's about business and I'm about business too, but we got to increase generational health at the same time we're increasing generational wealth. Indeed. All right, Donna, always a pleasure. I appreciate it. Tell your mama what's, tell your mama what's up. And, I love and, and I ain't eating eat your eating mama's food. chicken and waffle recipe until after I hit my goal. You got 20 seconds, go. Okay, Roland, let me just say this. Everybody says you got a cheat date. Don't call it a cheat date. It's a joy date because when you work that hard, you deserve to eat something that brings you joy. So every day and you get to do it however it is with your nutritional program, but it's not cheating. No, you earned No, call it a joy meal because Robert got a joy month. So don't don't give him any no, ideas. No, I said a joy meal. Right, a Don, joy meal. Okay, Robert. I got you. All right, Don, thanks a lot. Love you. All right, folks, tomorrow we're going to have the second part of our conversation with Dr. Rowe on the show as well. Also tomorrow on the show, uh, HR expert Laren Wagner, go to her photo. She's going to be on tomorrow. We're talking about employees, New Year, dealing with job loss, uh, and also how to prepare yourself for that. So we're going to have her tomorrow on the show as well. So a lot we're going to be covering on the show. Let me thank Rebecca, Robert, Scott. Uh, what, what the hell you want to know? P-Naughty. P-Naughty Wack. Okay, I mean, whatever. I mean, whatever. I mean, I, I don't know. Alphas can't pronounce it. Well, first, you ain't first, a noob. All, we don't care. Theory. We don't care nothing about no noobs. Not, not. Yeah, that's all you think about. Why you mess with me every time I'm on the show? Let me, you don't mess with Robert let, or anybody let, let else. Let me remind you. I was just that's racist. I was just that's Robert just racist. Let me remind you, Scott. Without you mad because I'm light skinned. I know. Scott, let me remind you. Without Alpha, y'all ain't number Kappa Psi. All right, y'all. I gotta go. <laughs> I'm gonna see y'all tomorrow. And, and Scott, you man, you can't rock an ass, Scott, like I do. I'm out. Oh. <laughs> Folks, Black Star Network is here. Hold no punches. I'm real uh, revolutionary right now. Black Support this man, Black Media. He makes sure that our stories are told. I thank you for being the voice of Black America, Rollins. Hey, I love y'all. All momentum we have now. We have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? Pull up a chair. Take your seat. The Black Tape. With me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network. Every week, we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network. Hi, I'm Dr. Jackie Hood-Martin, and I have a question for you. Ever feel as if your life is teetering and the weight and pressure of the world is consistently on your shoulders? Well, let me tell you, living a balanced life isn't easy. Join me each Tuesday on Black Star Network for a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. 
We're all impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives. And we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit facet.com, F A C E T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by Facet. Facet Wealth is an SEC registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current Facet members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner. The rise, the fall and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. 